1: to know the score. I'm your host, Don Delarente, and I'm back once again with my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne?
0: Not much. It's a beautiful day in Music City, and, and I'm ready to talk about the past week in sports. Let's get into it.
1: All right, before we get into it, just a reminder that Know The Score can be found on the CSPN. You can find us on the web at cspn.us. Also, you can find us through any podcast app as you just search for KTS Pod, the CSPN. Uh, just click on that, subscribe to it. iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, all the usual suspects. And you'll be listening to Know The Score each and every week. So we'll talk about the nfl to start and we're going to talk about those pittsburgh steelers they dominated the cleveland browns to state claim is not only the best team in the afc north but possibly the best team in the afc uh it was a demolishing baker mayfield came into the game with uh bruised ribs and uh they blitzed him, forced him into a pick six and a couple of other turnovers. And uh, he got yanked due to health concerns and ineffective play. And uh, Pittsburgh used their running game and their defense to just beat down Cleveland.
0: Yeah, it was a, it was a very rough outing for, for the Browns. Uh, and I think we are definitely seeing – the dominance and the improvement of the Steelers from last season into this season, and and I think not only when you know this team is healthy and at their peak, they're playing very well. The coaching, uh, the coaching has been amazing, and and a sack in I want to say it was probably like sixty five straight games. Which is pretty staggering if you really think about it. Uh, they are definitely, definitely, you know, one of the top teams in this league, which really makes this matchup that's coming up, which was supposed to happen uh, a few weeks ago in week three. But this matchup of the Titans, a clash of, you know, two unbeaten teams, is definitely going to make, make for some really good drama. There was some really good football uh, coming up on Sunday.
1: Yes, we'll get right into the Titans as they got their second win in six days to remain undefeated. Derrick Henry rushed for over 200 yards. Uh, Ryan Tannehill had, a, I think, two or three touchdown passes. Um, Titans won in overtime over Houston. Romeo Cornell trying to get a second win in a row. Went forward and um, went for two to try to win the game in regulation, basically put it out of reach, but uh, it did not work out. The Titans were able to score uh, forced overtime, and then Derrick Henry took it over from there.
0: Yeah, this game I actually did watch in and, and money Tennessee games, but this one I did. I really did like the call from Romeo Cornell to try to put the game out, I think. I think you gotta take those chances against against, you know, a good team like the Titans and and you know, unfortunately came up snake eyes and and uh he kinda had a feeling that the defense would be able to really slow down the offensive game as a result of that it was kinda proven when, you know, the say, you know, when you play prevent you're preventing yourself from winning. And And then uh, when they went to overtime, I think once Deshaun Watson realized that team wasn't getting the ball in overtime, he kind of knew that the game was over and Tennessee just really just marched down the field. And it was a wrap from there.
1: We're going to move on to the team that Jay to the max loves and also the team that my co-host here, the Libra icon, is a fan of on the other side. The Bears, they moved to 5-1 with a win over the Carolina Panthers. Nick Foles, steady Eddie. I hate Foles. <laughs> um, doesn't really make mistakes. Doesn't win pretty, but he gets the W in the columns. Uh, the Panthers, um, they were in this game the whole way, just couldn't seem to make a uh, that one big play. They had a couple of turnovers when they were driving and looked like they were about to put something together. But they still had a chance late in the game to try to tie it up and go into overtime, but it just fell short. So, uh, Mr. Dwayne, your assessment of your Carolina Panthers this week as they fell to the Chicago Bears?
0: Uh, It was just a game where things just did not work in Carolina's favor, and that's where you got to give credit to Matt Nagy and the Bears' defense, Uh, you know, uh, the secondary really made it difficult for Teddy Bridgewater to get the ball down the field. The front seven was pretty stifling on oh, Mike Davis, uh, who's been probably one of the best running backs in the NFL. While Christian McCaffrey's out, I think a lot of people thought it would have been the end of the world, but you know, they found a way to slow Mike Davis down. He ended up getting into the end zone. Eventually a lot of, careless turnovers. And I think this was also kind of a humbling experience for the Panthers. I think they, you know, they got three wins in a row when people didn't think they would win much at all or if any games, but I think this was kinda of like a back to earth kind of a game. And you gotta give it up to the Bears. They it doesn't matter how you win as you get the Richard is at W. And credit to them. You know, I think this was a game where it was really the better team definitely won this game. And even though Carolina had their opportunities, they didn't capitalize on them. And, you know, they even got down to the chance where uh, Teddy Bridgewater had a chance to drive the ball down the field and get the tying, or even if you wanted to gamble, get the game winning score. And they fell short. And, Unfortunately, it's so a week where I had to say I hate football. So um, shout out to the Bears. Shout out to J. The Bears, better team Um uh, Bear down. That's why they're 5-1. doesn't matter how you win the game as long as you win the game.
1: Uh, keeping with the theme of um, not really being that thrilled with football, I'll weigh in on my weekend watching the Washington football team. Uh, getting to know a guy that you know pretty well, Cal Allen. He's a 50-50 guy. He's 50-50 for your team and 50-50 for the other team, it seems like. Uh, had a critical turnover in right. the third quarter where he fumbled the ball and got scooped up for a scoop and score. But also redeemed himself in the fourth quarter, throwing a beautiful touchdown pass to Cam Sims in the corner. Uh, that looked like it was going to put Washington in position to kick the extra point and tie the game and possibly go to overtime with about 40 seconds left in the game. But old Riverboat Ron showed up. Yep. He went for the win. Uh, Wasn't a good-looking two-point play, and the pass fell helplessly short. And uh, the Giants held on to get their first win of the season. Uh, The Washington football team has now lost five games in a row. Um... Getting off to just slow starts on offense and defense. I mean, you know, every game can't win too many games if you're going to be down 10 to nothing every game, 17 to nothing before you get a score. Dustin Dustin Hopkins missed another what should be makeable field goal. It was about a 48-yarder. He missed it on the first drive to kind of at least, uh, you know, start the game out with a lead. Uh, So kind of a mixed bag. Uh, throughout the day, defense got much better towards the second half, and in the second half, um, offense uh, was up and down, but really uh, did some good things in the fourth quarter to tie the game up. So, uh, you know, we're just they're just where they are. This is a let's see, like I said last week, or maybe I told Anwar Starwin, I'm just in the business of trying to see who we got who can play, who, who's a good young player. Um, This is what I've been asking for, for like 15 years. This is like total rebuild mode. There's no aspirations of winning a division. There's no big time superstars. There's no big time free agents. It's just a bunch of young guys and cast off guys that are getting a chance to play. And <clears throat> hopefully, you know, two or three or four, people stand out on both sides of the ball and we can go on and and build uh something going forward for the next couple of years based off what we see uh over the next 10 games of this season so uh don't expect too many more wins from the washington football team just because they just don't have the firepower on offense they haven't shown that they could get in a shootout or put up 28 points or 20 points on a consistent basis week in and week out. And uh, like I was telling my dad over the weekend, if you're going up against the better teams, upper echelon, or even some of the mid tier teams, you're going to have to score at least 28 points to be in the conversation. If you can't put up 28, then more than likely you're not going to have a chance.
0: <clears throat> I, I will – I will say this um, and and I do get the the maddening experience that is Kyle Kyle minute, You're like, oh snap, he can actually do something and then the very next possession you're like, what what was that? And
1: Oh, I will say, what's the impression of Chase Young? Oh, definitely as advertised. he's uh receiving a lot more double teams since that first game so he hasn't really had a chance to kind of just wreck somebody's passing game but he did get a couple of tackles behind the uh, line for loss in the running game i mean he's just an impact player um you know like i said he's taking double teams, so that's allowing other people on the defensive line to um you know have one-on-one matchups he's you know plays hard Uh, chases down a lot of screen passes and and running plays. So I am thrilled. That is the person that I wanted out of the draft because he is a generational type of uh, defensive end pass rusher who can win you games, you know, by himself in the fourth quarter. And that's what the Washington football team has desperately needed uh, for a very long time. Since it doesn't look like they're going to be able to get the quarterback uh, situation right at least if they can get one of these defensive ends that can just overhaul a game on its own they'll have like a superstar that they can kind of you know tout and people can be afraid of
0: it's the i guess the race to the trevor lawrence sweepstakes and as bad as the division first i want to say as bad as the division is it's like don't think about the division but it's like the division is still like right there
1: right at the same time if if I was the Washington football team I would try to do like the 49ers I would try to build my team get everything that I need in place they really need linebackers they really need a middle linebacker So I would try to get a middle linebacker as to, you know, if we finish in the top five of the drafts, I would try to get a middle linebacker. Get the middle linebacker, that's always been a key to Ron defenses being outstanding. Once we get that stud middle linebacker, the defense should elevate to another rung up, right? Build, we need guards. We don't have guards on the offensive line. Our guards are pretty bad. So try to find these, which is not really, you know, Ron Rivera's strong suit, him and his scouting team, they never really put together a strong offensive line in Carolina, but try to get more secure, try to get more secure up the middle at the guard position. And then, you know, add another receiver or two, if you can do draft or free agent, and then maybe going into the third year of the Ron Rivera uh, thing, Then try to find you either a free agent quarterback or a backup quarterback that's, you know, poised like a Jimmy Garoppolo, somebody who's started but is maybe playing behind somebody who's just a little bit better and he can't really see the field. Or if you want to try to find you one of these second-round, you know, senior quarterbacks from a team that he's gotten really good coaching from, good quarterback coach, good head coach understands uh, offense, defense, makes quick decisions. I would go do that because then your team would be ready to go and all your quarterback would really have to do is just hold it in the road. That sounds the, like a good plan. Yeah, that's the way I would approach it if I was uh, the Washington football team. Uh Speaking of the 49ers, we'll talk about them. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo got the start. A lot of people were thinking it was going to be Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard again uh, after Jimmy G. got pulled. But no, Jimmy Garoppolo got the start. 49ers got the win over the Rams. Uh, You know, 49ers, they don't really put anybody away. It's just the style that they play. If you can stop their running game, then you can kind of throw them off. Um, Their defense, though, really stifled the Rams for about, two-and-a-half, three-quarters. Rams tried to make a late charge there in the fourth quarter uh, to try to send the game into overtime, but they came up a little bit short. So 49ers get back on track, um, look a little bit better on offense, but they lose Mostert, uh, who got hurt in that game. So another setback there with the injury bug for the 49ers this year. But, uh, you know, they're trying to keep pace in that NFC West. It's going to be a tough division over there this year. Yeah, especially with Russell Wilson
0: playing out his mind out in Seattle. Kyler Murray, he's uh, showing up uh especially after that Monday night game against Dallas and then of course the Rams. So that's a very that's probably the toughest division in all of football. All four of those teams capable of winning the division. And it's really going to – they're really going to bump on each other to see who's going to get the ultimate the ultimate prize, which is the NFC West
1: title in that home game in the playoffs. All right. The Miami Dolphins, they beat the hapless New York Jets 24 to nothing. But the story coming out of the game is Tua Tagovailoa, he got into the game, was two for two, finished out the game. And the Dolphins have announced that he is going to be their starter moving forward. So it's Tua time down in Miami. Uh, A lot of people are excited to see the first round pick. You know, last year it was all about tanking for Tua. They won a few games towards the end of the season. Everybody was like, what are they doing? They ended up getting Tua at the fifth pick. So now they get a chance to see uh, what he can do. They have one game and then they're going to have a bye week, I think. So or they either have a bye week this week and then he's going to come out after the bye. I think it's a second part. I think it's they have a bye week this week and then he's going to start their next game. So they give him enough chance to coach him up, um, you know, and have an element of surprise because nobody knows what type of offense they're going to run or what type of things they're going to do with him, what they've been working on with them. So um, excited to see Tua and hopefully he can stay healthy.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what plans that uh, Brian Flores and the offensive coordinator down in Miami have for Tua. Uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, probably the least excited about it after he basically said that he felt blindsided by, by this. Uh, he knew the process. He knew what it was when he signed up. I guess he didn't anticipate it happening even after the team was, you know, at three and three, it wasn't like they were low and six, but I think the Dolphins feel like Tua is ready. I guess the two passes were enough for him for Flores to make this call and, and uh, Chris Greer and the Dolphins brass and fun fact, Chris Greer is actually my cousin. So um, definitely want to see what happens there. Uh, down in South Beach, so
1: oh man, we might have to uh <clears throat> pull some strings and get a tour of the old hard rack stadium. Yes, well, I will see what I can do. <laughs> the I'll Tampa- keep you posted. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you. We'll <laughs> record it and, and make it a Patreon type of deal. The uh Tampa Bay Bucks they score 38 unanswered points to demolish the Green Bay Packers. The Packers were up 10 to nothing, had the ball, they were driving again, and Aaron Rodgers threw a pick six, and the game turned instantly. As Aaron Rodgers came back out on the next drive, had a ball tipped in the air, deflected, and intercepted, Tampa Bay cast that in for a touchdown, and they never looked back. Tom Brady found Rob Gronkowski. Uh, for the first time this season and it's the first time as anything but new england patriots so that was exciting for all the tampa bay fans they've been waiting uh of the year to see that connection finally uh come together so all around just a dominant day by tampa bay um uh man uh what's their bowls todd Bowles, their defensive coordinator definitely raised a lot of eyebrows with the pressure and the uh, stifling defense that the bucks deployed uh on Aaron Rodgers after that first quarter, basically, and give me
0: an Adam Gase shot here. As remember, the Jets fired Todd Bowles for Adam Gase. So um, let that kind of sink in there. Um, yeah, this was definitely not. This was definitely one of those games where you thought it was going to be like. A very close game, a, a much closer game than what it.
1: Oh, I expected somebody a, to score thirty eight. I just expected the other team to score like thirty five.
0: Right, exactly, exactly, and and that's what that's what I was expecting, too, and it seemed like after the second interception, uh, the second interception which was cashed in, uh, Green Bay just said, "Screw this," and and it was just not even. Uh, uh, it wasn't even close after that. So uh, definitely back to the drawing board for the Packers. I'm sure they, sure this is something we will see down the road. I think these are two, these are still two uh, teams that can get to the postseason with the talent that they do have. But but yeah, it was definitely a run a one sided game where I was really disappointed. Because I thought it was gonna be a lot closer, but the thing that I th- also want to point out too is that is the fact that uh I saw a picture of John Runyon talking to Tom Brady and Tom Brady played with his dad at Michigan, which is <laughs> which is like uh man, like Tom Brady is really. <laughs> Humber is really up there, you know, and and it's just it's just wild to see the see him withstand all this, you know, through all these years and still play at a high level at forty three. So
1: yeah, man. I mean, that's um, what happens when you play twenty seasons, man. Right. <laughs> you, start, you start all of a sudden lining up with people's kids that you played against. Like, oh, how's your
0: dad? You're right, exactly. <laughs>
1: It's crazy. So,
0: I, I, and I really can't wait to see what happens when, um, when these um, bucks uh, come again. And Todd Bowles, I think, is probably one of those coaches is better off as a coordinator than a head coach. Right. Uh, it, it's one of those things where you know when you're a coordinator you can do so many so many great things, but you're just not that you're just not the head coach material Kind of like a North Turner. like North Turner, great coordinator, but as you know, um, not that great of a head coach. so I think I think he needs to stick to, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I think Dick LeBeau was probably like one of the primary examples of this of uh, staying in your lane. He, he did the head coaching thing in Cincinnati, was not great at it, but went back to Pittsburgh and was legendary there. So, top goal, stay in your lane, stay as a coordinator. You know, I'm all for black coaches in the NFL, but there's nothing wrong with being a great coordinator. Stick to
1: coordinating. Right, right. The old railroad situation. Exactly. The Kansas City Chiefs, they rushed for 245 yards in their win over the Buffalo Bills. They also signed Le'Veon Bell off waivers, and he is going to play on Sunday, Uh, granted that he passes his COVID uh, testing. So the rich get richer as, uh, you know, we already got this rookie. He's pretty good. You know, he ran for like 200 yards and 189 yards in this game. Oh, we also got Damian Williams. So when he gets tired, the rookie needs a break. We just throw Damian Williams in there. He only does like 15 yard runs at a time when he gets in the game. And now we're going to sign Le'Veon Bell. So it's like we get two players because he's just as good a running back as he is a receiver. And now we can line him up like inside of Tyreek Hill and just dare y'all to try to cover us. What is going on here? I have no idea. Clyde
0: Edwards, Hilaire, I regret not drafting him on my fantasy team. I mean, don't get me wrong. I got good running backs. I got Aaron Jones. I got Ronald Jones. And, but I really kind of wish I would go back and have a do-over. And I would have drafted Edwards, Hilaire. But I did not think he would be this good this quickly. Um yeah, Damian Williams, like you said, every time he touches the ball, he gets a first down, and it's lit- it's really gonna be pick your poison, and and for you know with the with the uh, greatness that is Patrick Mahomes right now, and this makes Andy Reid, who's already an offensive wizard, this just gives him like so much more to work with and and so much more, you know, it gives them more creativity. So it's going to be tough to stop the Chiefs. Um, The only way I think you can probably stop Mahomes and kind of confuse him a little bit is to probably go try to use his own blitz schemes, try to confuse the coverages, uh, you know, but you got you, know, you got to find ways to get get past that stout offensive line. So there's so much that Kansas City has an advantage over the rest of these teams. But I think if just try to play the Raiders tape and see what you can do from there.
1: The Bills picked their poison. They chose to die a slow death. Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator, Played the umbrella cloud defense in the secondary, making sure that they didn't get anything deep. But Patrick Mahomes, being a smart quarterback and not being one of these people who was just destined to have these stats every week, he just kept checking into run plays and they were gashing them. And there was no need to, you know, do anything other than run. He had to make a few critical throws in the second half. Uh, for first downs, he made a, a pirouette run and he should have got a first down. They marked him short, they went for it, then they scored a touchdown. So, um, just showing a lot of maturity by Patrick Mahomes, uh, changing the plays at the line of scrimmage, you know, changing into the run when he sees that the coverage is going to play off and they're only going to have. Um, Six men in the box. So, you know, credit goes to Patrick Mahomes for just not being greedy and just, you know, winning and taking what the defense gave him, which was the running game. Then, finally, our last note NFL-wise, Kyler Murray. He scores a rushing TD, TD, and he has two passing TDs to get the win over the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. He is still undefeated in AT&T Stadium. He's never lost as a pro and as a college football player. So, Kyle Murray, his stats were not really that impressive. I think it was like 9 for 24 with like two passing touchdowns. But they managed to run uh, for, I think, Keon Drake finally had like a good game. He had like 160-something yards rushing. Um, Christian Kirk scored two touchdowns. Ezekiel Elliott fumbled the ball twice in the first half. And Dallas could not generate any offense with Andy Dalton. So, there was your recipe for disaster if you're a Cowboys fan.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. So, what Kyler Murray did to the Cowboys, I mean, I was more impressed with the Cards' defense. I mean, Kyler Murray did did hit a couple good balls. I mean, like you said, the numbers weren't all that great, but the plays that he did make were, were outstanding. So, it's kind of like and far in between. But the the pressure that the Cardinals uh, forced Andy Dalton into uh, were was a uh, pretty crazy. I know that Buda Baker. There was one play where he just flew in from his safety position and just wrecked shop and and I and I think that was really one of the keys in that in that uh, blowout. Uh, You know, everybody knows that the Cowboys are usually the cards money game. So uh, for for the um, I guess you could say uh, old old rivalry renewed, old NFC East rivalry renewed. Um, But this was something that the defense really kind of dictated the game and Kyler Murray just kind of took advantage of those uh, cowboys mistakes and made them pay for it
1: all right so uh that's you know review of the nfl um see what we got coming up on thursday night for the old thursday night football since last week we had it postponed due to covid we got the giants and the eagles um giants win this game they're going to be in first place or tied for four. There'll be one game out because the Cowboys have four losses. They have five. But Cowboys currently sit in first place with two wins. They're heading, they're two and four. They're heading to play the Washington football team. If Washington can somehow find a way to win this game, they will come out of this game at no worse unless the Eagles win tied for first place. Crazy. Yeah, other marquee matchups, uh, Seahawks and Cardinals, uh, Packers and Texans uh, in the game that Dwayne will be keeping a keen eye on. Panthers visit the Saints. Steelers and Titans, like we said at the top of the show, two five, and 5-0 teams uh, facing off against each other. Um, 49ers and the Patriots. Uh, Two teams looking to try to, you know, get things headed in the upward direction. And a game that didn't really seem like it was going to be that intriguing a couple of weeks ago. But now the Buccaneers and the Raiders. The Raiders coming off of beating the Chiefs in a bye week. And then on Monday night football, the Bears versus the Rams. So we'll have uh, all the ins and outs of those week seven games next week when we get together on Know the Score. So now it's time for us to transition into some college football. The Big Ten. As a conference, they're going to return to the field this weekend. They hope to play an eight-game schedule. But uh, as we've seen throughout the country with uh, cancellations and postponements, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So I expect, you know, hopefully they get six. Um, They don't have any wiggle room as far as being able to have a bye week and to move games around and to reschedule like the other conferences had kind of built in uh, to their schedule based off the new normal. So um, everybody's talking about how Ohio State is going to probably get one of these playoff positions, not play a full schedule. Um, they had a lot of gripe with the Big Ten right now um, with their decision to kind of say they weren't going to play. And then once everybody started playing, we're like, oh, we, we can play. So they wanted to get back in. Uh, your thoughts just on the Big Ten and how they've handled everything uh, throughout the summer and leading into now them coming into the season with an eight-game schedule.
0: I, I thought initially they did the right thing because, honestly... With everything going on, it's really tough to it's really tough to play a full schedule. So I thought, you know, they they were erring on the side of caution. I think, you know, people didn't really like the fact that obviously that they aired on the side of caution. But I think they I think they came out doing the right thing. I mean, they saw that the returns on these games, and and so at this point, you know they they may do with what they have, and like I said, it's not going to be enough, you know, room to move things around at this point, and and so this is going to be uh, something that. You know, game by game, we're going to, have to see. And I really, I really hope, you know, they come away unscathed with, you know, with the numerous positives. There might be like a few here and there, because uh, that's just the reality of the situation. Of course, we want none, but I, I think that they handled it the best they could given the time frame of what happened and how it was looking at the time. So, I, I I don't have a problem with the way they handled it, I'm sure. I mean, Ohio State can have their gripes all they want. I mean, I just think a national title isn't as important as, you know, your safety. But, hey, Ohio State and their players thought differently, so that's where we are.
1: Nick Saban, he was on the sidelines after we went off the air last week. It was being reported that he had tested positive for COVID-19, but it turned out that uh, Alabama had used an outside testing Uh, protocol that was not the one they had been using uh, provided by the sec uh he took the foreign we'll call it foreign test he came up positive he was retested using the sec protocol testing he was negative then he tested negative three more times so he was able to coach on saturday night as alabama hung one on georgia i know everybody's talking about trevor lawrence and I know that, you know, we're going to talk about what he did a little bit later. But, man, you got to start looking in your rearview at Mac Jones because he is playing outstanding football. He's got multiple touchdown passes in every game so far this year. And Alabama's offense looks amazing.
0: They do. And I think this is probably, like, Alabama's best quarterback in a very, very long time where the quarterback is the focal point, not the running back or the receivers. So I mean, of course you need those guys to make you look good, but you know, the quarterback is the guy. Like I mean AJ McCarron, he had he had a he had a couple studs, obviously. Um Jalen Hurts was Jalen Hurts was there, Tua was there, they they were they were marquee names, but I don't think they had like the caliber, uh, like the the star caliber, like the marquee appeal that Mac Jones has because what Alabama did to Georgia, especially being down early, was kind of was kind of makes me chuckle a little bit because Georgia, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Oh, um <laughs> but um, it, it's it's really something I really would love. I mean, what would be Clemson, Alabama part five, uh, in this uh playoff era. So that it, that would be an intriguing matchup to see how that would how that would turn out with those two squads, but yeah, like you said, definitely I mean, Alabama usually would rely on this defense, but this is a different kind of quarterback, a different kind of team, and and they're looking really nice right now.
1: Florida State, they stunned number five, UNC early with 34 first half points. They held on for the 31-28 win. Um... Yeah, talk about disappointing. Had kind of shaped my whole day and evening around watching this football game. It's like, okay, North Carolina, you're in a chance where you can show me something. Last week against Virginia Tech, you look good, but you know, now you're number five. You've been walking around with that ranking all week, people patting you on the back, talking about you're a national championship contender. You're going on the road to a Florida State team that hasn't been able to get out of its own way early this season. And what do they do? Come out flat in the first quarter and Florida State jumped all over them. Very disappointed in Mac Brown and Carolina. Even though they did try a furious second half comeback, can't allow a team that has been struggling like Florida State has to score thirty one points in the first half. That is just uncalled for. And uh UNC number five, poof, gone in the dust. Yeah,
0: a lot of yeah, someone asked someone asked if if um if we saw Florida State and I kind of was like not since fifty two to ten when uh, I like, <laughs> dropped fifty two on them. And and um, yeah, I was really and honestly i i i carolina I don't know if they had that I don't know if it was just an era of overconfidence exactly
1: that did them in.
0: It <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it and they really showed you know at this uh, Florida city was at the point where they had nothing to lose and That's probably the most dangerous opponent is an opponent that literally has nothing to lose uh, and everything to gain, and upsetting a top-five team definitely does that. Um, I don't know how this will impact the uh, opportunity for an ACC title or the Clemson Invitational, but... (laughs) Um, it's really something where, you know, kind of, I think this was the weekend of humbling for teams in Carolina. Um, Tar Heels got the humbling from Florida State, Panthers didn't get the humbling they needed from the Bears. So this was definitely that kind of weekend in the state of uh, North Carolina football, college and pro.
1: Clemson, they had a win for the ages as they rolled over Georgia Tech, seventy-three to seven. The um,
0: rambling wreck got wrecked.
1: Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence, yeah, they did that work, and uh, <laughs> this was just uh, one of those what games when you see the score, and uh, it was even worse once you if you, if you watched it or well, you saw the highlights because Georgia Tech had nothing. And when I say nothing, I mean nothing for Clemson. I get. I guess the
0: wreck everyone to leave did not apply here for. <laughs> it did not apply here for Georgia Tech in this case. Yeah, <laughs> um, they
1: got wrecked and everybody they, left at halftime. <laughs> yeah, this was
0: this was ugly in every sense of the word. Of course, unless you're a Clemson fan, this was. Uh, a gorgeous display of football uh, I think Lawrence he threw what five touchdown passes in this game yep. um, he was he was out of his mind um, Travis Etienne probably the probably the best all purpose back in the country right now um, t- definitely two two top five NFL players right here And definitely, definitely hard to imagine anybody beating Clemson with these two guys on the field and healthy. So, um, yeah, Georgia Tech, no answer at all. I don't know if really anybody has an answer, Um, you know, Maybe, maybe Bama does, as we alluded to um, in the last segment. But yeah, Clemson is just Clemson is just on a whole nother level. It's, in, in this college fo- football playoff era, it's, it's Clemson's world that we're living in. It because I remember the days where Clemsoning was a verb, but <laughs> it's not. It, this is a whole different kind of verb now when we talk about Clemson, Clemsoning. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, Davos done a magnificent job in South Carolina and I just don't see, I don't see anybody beating them at this point right now.
1: Uh, we'll also talk about just quickly. Florida and LSU had to postpone their game uh, due to the virus. It was reported that uh, Florida's coach Dan Mullen had contracted the virus, as one uh, you know um, among the people who were dealing uh with the virus and the reason why the game got canceled uh very fitting that he would be the one to catch it after the week before he was talking about the advantage that he felt texas a&m had by having like half their stadium filled and he was talking about he wanted the governor of florida to have the swamp filled up with the whole eighty-five thousand people and then uh yeah like a couple of days later it's like oh you got coronavirus buddy so uh, right yeah hopefully the Governor of Florida will not be doing that anytime soon and keeping lots and lots of people healthy and safe. Right.
0: Always remember in this in this current time we're in right now, social distance, keep your mask on, stay safe. Ninety thousand people is not worth your whole team contracting this disease that's already killed over 250,000. So.
1: Exactly, exactly. Now we'll shift over to baseball. The boys of summer have now turned into the boys of fall. As the Rays, they won game seven over the Houston Astros 4-2 to behind a couple of homers in the first and second innings to get things going. They never looked back. Strong pitching, good bullpen. And the Houston Astros can no longer torment baseball fans anymore. A lot of people were just like, oh, my gosh, they cannot go back to the World Series uh, this year after all the cheating. Uh, So Tampa Bay did America a favor, knocked the Houston Astros out, and they're back in the World Series. And the Dodgers, they complete the comeback down from three games to one. Cody Bellinger's home run in the seventh sends the Dodgers back to the World Series. Um, Atlanta had a really good chance to break this game open in like the fourth inning. They had second and third with no out and uh, ended up uh, bad base running. They ran themselves into a double play, basically killed uh, their best rally that they had uh, throughout the whole game after they had jumped up two to nothing uh on the dodgers looks like they were gonna at least get maybe two more maybe even three uh depending on how the inning played out but no they snuffed themselves out and uh the dodgers got two uh, got a pinch hit homer to tie the game and then they got cody bellinger's homer to win the game so the dodgers are back in the world series against the rays and the dodgers they win game one of this year's world series clayton kershaw two hits and in six innings. Dodgers won 8 to 3. Mookie Betts hit a home run in the 6th inning. So we're off and running with the fall classic. Uh I'll just get your thoughts, Dwayne, on who you got for this year's World Series, the Dodgers or Tampa Bay. Uh
0: the Dodgers have been the best team in in baseball, I mean. Either way, the winner of this The winner of this World Series, the city's going to get another title. The Lightning won the Stanley Cup, so if the Rays win, that's another title in this calendar year for Tampa, but if the the, uh, Dodgers win, LA gets another title because the Lakers won the NBA title, so uh, spoiled cities get richer, don't they, so... <laughs> um, um, I got the Dodgers. Though I think they were the best team in baseball, and it's fitting that the two best teams in baseball are facing off in the World Series. Um, like you said, the Rays did. The Rays did America favor by getting rid of the Astros. Yeah, and I'm sure there was probably a select few that wanted to see that. Astros Dodgers rematch considering what happened to the Dodgers from the Astros with the cheating and everything that would have been compelling um and of course um the Braves fully channeled in their inner Atlanta Falcons uh just something about just something about the state of Georgia and teams not being able to hold the lead uh and it was funny how the Falcons kind of were just like, don't need to add us
1: <laughs>
0: about the Braves losing. But, yeah, that was probably like the comedic moment of the night. Um, I would definitely say, though, that that the it would have been interesting, though, to see an Astro Dodgers with two um Historic comebacks, but I I got the Dodgers winning this one. I think they they've been battle tested. They've had the heartbreak over over the last three World Series appearances. So I think this is this has got to be their time at this point, right? So, but we can't count the Rays out. They did prove they were the L's best in the regular season and the uh, postseason for nothing. But I'm going to pick the Dodgers and just see what happens from there.
1: All right. We're going to wrap this up with a little bit of NBA talk. Uh, two coaches were hired, uh, so the vacancies are dwindling down. Stan Van Gundy has been named the coach of the Pelicans. And Kevin Bortgren. Nate uh Huh? Kevin Borkren, B J O R K G R E N. Raptors assistant. Yes, the head assistant from the Raptors has now been named the coach of the Pacers. So uh, Stan Van uh, coming back into the NBA after a couple of years on TV. And uh, I don't know, um, he's got a lot to work with down there. Zion, Brandon Ingram. Um, don't they have the Jackson Hayes kid too? Yeah. They got him. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean Lonzo, yeah, he's got some things to uh he's got some things to work with down there. Definitely a He's
0: up- got more to work with down in New Orleans than he did in Detroit.
1: Right. So, he's uh he should be thrilled about this new opportunity coming to him uh to coach those young players. And then this uh young man from the uh, Raptors uh coming over to the Pacers uh, trying to give them a fresh coat of paint. Uh, Looks like they're going to be a more up-tempo, 3-and-D type team, kind of changing what they've been used to. And I guess that's going to make for some, you know, players having different roles and different identities than what they've been used to under Nate McMillan. So we'll see how the Pacers look uh, this year coming out with the new coach. 3 in D really plays into Malcolm Brogdon's strengths. He's one of the best shooters in the league. Definitely a great defender too. He's very underrated. But if this is the type of um, game plan that he's going to try to bring over from the Raptors to the Pacers, then he's going to instantly turn into like the new Kyle Lowry.
0: Absolutely. I, and I think this is a good I think it's a good move. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the same the same path that Nick Nurse followed. After Dwayne Casey was let go, uh Nick Nurse took over took over the Raptors and you know uh even without Kawhi, I know a lot of people say, I mean, Kawhi was the the final key in that trade with the Spurs, but the Raptors looked really good in the bubble. Uh they took the Celtics to seven. Um in the Eastern semis, they they looked really good, uh, even without them. They still played the same brand of basketball, and I think I think uh, with the right personnel, I think if you do, uh, you know, center, you know, make Malcolm Brogdon that centerpiece, then you have um, you can definitely build around that. You got you do have three point shooters there: T.J. Warren, Miles Turner. Uh, so you can still spread the floor out, still play some good defense on the inside and outside. So I think there's going to be some very interesting things going on in Indiana with the Pacers in this uh, new new era of the, uh, the Bjorkin.
1: All right. So at this time, Dwayne, I'm going to turn it over to you for your final thoughts and shout-outs. All right. Uh, shout-out
0: to you, Don. Uh, thanks again. Uh, for having me. It's great to be back. Um, As always, uh, shout-outs to all the listeners. Uh, Shout-outs to all the podcasters as well. Uh, My final thought, uh, we'll have to involve the NHL. A lot of... A lot of... um, familiar faces going to new places. Uh, Joe Thornton's going to the Maple Leafs after 15 years in San Jose. So uh, Thornton is going he's trying to get that trying to get that Stanley Cup um, the rebuild rebuild retooling whatever you want to call it in San Jose has really begun. Uh, They've moved on from uh, Patrick Marleau, they, Joe Thornton has moved, moved on. And then uh, Henrik Lundqvist, after 15 years in New York, being the face of the Rangers, he is in Washington now. Uh, Braden Hopi has moved on. The Capitals move on from Holpe. They get Lundqvist for at least the next year.
1: Diminishing um, returns.
0: Yes, yes, I don't exactly,
1: think, yeah. think Lundqvist is any good anymore.
0: I don't think so either. Um, you know, and that was definitely a, a uh, shocker. Um, you know, but I think the Rangers will be okay. Uh, they do have a lot of talent on that team uh, going forward anyway. And... And then uh, also I'm not shouting them out. I'm calling them out. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights that gold jersey is trash. Please change it. Please scrap it because that was definitely that that's definitely ugly. I don't like I don't like Vegas anyway. So I'm probably just being petty about it, but I don't care.
1: All right, thank you, Dwayne, for joining me once again here on Know the Score. It's always a pleasure getting to uh, talk about the week's uh, review in sports with you. Uh, give a big shout out to everybody here on the CSPN. Everybody who listens to Know the Score, please subscribe to the show KTS Pod the CSPN. Also, review, rate the show, uh, share it with your friends. Let so everybody know um, what we're doing over here on CSPN. Also, if you want a little bit more uh sports talk just sign up to the patreon page patreon.com forward slash cspn media uh, know the score ot shows up from time to time over there uh, so you'll hear various people talk about their teams uh, when it comes to just random conversations that i have that concern sports i'll just kind of record those and throw them all together and then you'll hear some different opinions besides mine and uh the waynes when it comes to different type of teams in different areas of the country Um, My final thought would probably have to be, hey, Philadelphia, if y'all don't want Carson Wentz, you can trade him right on down here to Washington. Because the man, his offensive line, terrible, old and injured. Running back, missed the first three games of the season. Deshaun Jackson hasn't been healthy since 2014. Um, Aguilar, same deal. So you got these no-name people and tight ends that he's uh, throwing to. Ertz is hurt, by the way, as well. And all he does, for the most part, is give you a chance to win. No matter how bad it's going, how ugly he's playing, how bad the stats look, when you look up, Philadelphia is driving to win the game or Carlson Wentz has won the game on a last-minute drive. So Philadelphia, if you all are tired of having a quarterback – that is trying to rise above all of the madness that you guys have created up there through injuries and lack of talent and guys who can't, uh, you know, step up on the field and, and do it week in and week out. When you get tired of them, there's a vacancy in Washington, and we'll gladly accept them. So that is my final start. Yes, sir?
0: One more thing. So I said they were moving off from Patrick Marlowe. kind of lied because Patrick Marlowe actually ended up going back to San Jose. But this will be his third stint as a shark. Uh, the sharks traded him Pittsburgh to try to get him a cup, but he ended up coming back, so he's once again a shark. So,
1: hey man, you, just just gotta, him, man. you gotta know where home is. Yes, yes, and apparently San Jose is home for Patrick Marlowe. So, good luck to Patrick Marlowe, uh, and the San Jose Sharks coming up this year. Uh, hopefully, the Carolina Hurricanes can. Uh, capitalize on their strong showing in the beginning of the playoff bubble and also that they get their winter classic game in as well uh, in stadium
0: series yes at Carter family
1: yeah so uh, it'll be interesting if uh, by January well the season starts in January that game supposed to take place in January by the old schedule but we'll see yeah. how things are with the new schedule once it comes out and hopefully uh, it can take place
0: All right uh, yeah shout out to Justin Williams he did retire at the end of the season um, he loved him in Carolina hated him when he was an LA King loved him again as a hurricane <laughs>
1: um, Mr. enjoyed Gaines the
0: retirement seven. yeah,
1: yeah. alright so for my co-host the Libra Icon Dwayne I'm your host Don Delorente, and now you know the score